0: Darnell and his cousin drove off. Instead of going home, I limped across the road and crawled into a vacant trailer we used to live in. Sitting on the floor with all the shades pulled, dark, I started crying. Ashamed that I'd been beaten so badly. Not to mention afraid of what my father would say when he saw me. Get the fuck out of here, he told me after I tried telling him someone accidentally slammed the door in my face. You think I'm stupid? Once I got over the shock of what had happened, I started feeling better. After a while, my tears even turned into laughter. How could I not laugh at myself? I looked like Martin after he tried to box Thomas Hitman Hearns. I literally had a knot on my head so big a doctor would eventually have to shave it off. I was happy because I sensed that I'd entered a new stage in my relationship with the truth. Most people would have walked away from a beating like that thinking, I really got to start watching what I say. I had the opposite reaction. If I'd just survived that, there was no way I was censoring myself at all. One of my favorite songs at the time was Notorious B.I.G.'s Unbelievable, where he rapped, If I said it, I meant it. Bite my tongue for no one. Sitting there in the trailer, I could hear Biggie's lyrics over and over again in my head. And his words? I'd found my own voice, too. Bite my tongue for no one was the mantra I was gonna live by. If I had something to say, I was gonna say it. If someone wanted to know what I said about them, I'd tell them to their face. What's the worst that could happen? I'd get beat up. I just survived a five-star ass kicking. If that was the worst that could happen, I was all right with it. By the way, do you know they let prisoners on Facebook now? I didn't. And the other day, I got a friend request from Darnell. When I saw his face pop up on my screen, I immediately thought, no, he's out? And almost had a heart attack. When someone beats you like that, you never get over it. Bite my tongue for no one. Throughout my years as a radio guy, first on local stations in South Carolina, later as a co-host on Wendy Williams' show, Then as the host of my own show in Philly and eventually as part of The Breakfast Club, the syndicated radio show I host on New York City's Power 105.1 with DJ Envy and Angela Yee, I've been asked, not to mention threatened, to watch what I say more times than I can remember. I've been hated on for my honesty, fired for my honesty, even punched in the side of my head for my honesty. But I've never for a second doubted that honesty is not only my best friend, but also my secret weapon. Almost 20 years later, my tongue remains unbitten. Perhaps the best example of the depth of my commitment to honesty is the first time I interviewed Kanye West on The Breakfast Club. To give you a little context, the interview happened while he was out on tour supporting his Yeezus album, which I thought wasn't up to his usual standards. To make matters worse... Kanye had been delivering long rants about how the fashion industry wasn't giving him a fair shot, how he was a genius, but no one in power in the industry understood his vision, how he felt like a slave to major corporations. In my eyes, instead of trying to keep up with the Kardashians and worrying about whether an editor at Vogue liked his blouses, Kanye should have just focused on what made us love him in the first place, compelling, heartfelt music. I knew that as long as he was connected to the people via his music, all his other dreams and aspirations would eventually fall into place. In order to get him back on track, at the end of the day, I am a Kanye fan and want him to succeed. I started calling him Kanye Kardashian to poke fun at his new image. I also named him Donkey of the Day several times, a daily feature on The Breakfast Club where I give someone the credit they deserve for being stupid. Of course, when word got out that Kanye was coming in for an interview, the question on everyone's lips was, will Charlemagne really call him Kanye Kardashian to his face? Will he tell him Jesus was whack? That's certainly what Natina and the mean Kanye's rep from Def Jam Recordings was worried about when she arrived at our studio the morning of his interview. Charlamagne, whatever you do, she implored, please don't call him Kanye Kardashian. You got to understand why that's not cool. Being the pain in the ass that I am, I crushed that dream right away. Since you asked me not to say that, that's the first thing I'm going to say, I told her. Though in truth, I was always going to say it regardless. I added that little dig because I really hate when publicists and label reps ask me not to do my job. I'm here for the listeners, not the artists, and certainly not the labels. If there's something I feel listeners would want me to bring up, then that's what I'm going to do. Here's a little Radio 101. Listener benefit trumps everything else. True to my word, as soon as the interview began, I got right into it. They said it would never happen. A repeat donkey of the day offender, I said, as Kanye smiled uncomfortably. Kanye Kardashian! I wasn't done. As soon as the talk turned to Yeezus, I was truthful with Kanye. I didn't like that album at all. And I was a Kanye West fan, I told him. But Yeezus was whacked at me. Was I being a bit of an asshole by calling Yeezus trash or by introducing him as Kanye Kardashian? Of course! But Kanye's a certified asshole himself, and he respected my honesty. Despite the rocky start, we ended up having a great conversation. The interview created so much heat that I ended up getting profiled in Rolling Stone and in New York Times. That's a lot of attention for an ex-felon from Monk's Corner with an-